Kia ora. Welcome to episode 78 of the SWZ podcast, the podcast for New Zealand Star Wars fans. My name is Matt. And my name is Christy. It was another interesting week for news from a galaxy far, far away, so let's jump in and talk Star Wars. First up on our news roundup, the music of John Williams in concert was an event that took place on Saturday of this weekend just past. An orchestral concert by Orchestra Auckland, featuring the music of John Williams, of course, which took place in the Auckland Town Hall. I mention it for two reasons. First of all, we just want to say how very much we enjoyed this event for a number of different reasons. And the announcement that came at the conclusion of the event was that a concert featuring John Williams and friends will take place in June of 2023. So this event, or one very similar to it, will be returning to the Auckland Town Hall, presumably, in less than one year's time. You can check out more information about Orchestra Auckland and other upcoming events at orchestratedevents.co.nz. You can register for updates to other similar concerts that they will be holding. They don't just play classical music, they engage in a number of other pop culture type approaches. For instance, they've got an anime orchestrated event coming up, the date is to be confirmed. You can register for updates and a, an event called the Great Kiwi Songbook will be taking place at the end of this month, October the 28th. Great event. Great to see sort of Star Wars fans turning up to this. You can see uh, people turning up in t-shirts and apparel. You can pick out the Star Wars fans. Always a great applause, great encore. Uh, it was a really great event. Yeah, so this this event, as, as we said, has, has featured the music of John Williams, his movie theme music in particular. We heard music from E.T., the extraterrestrial, Raiders of the Lost, action uh, was List and so forth, but it, almost the entire second half was Star Wars music, and that was just... Just fantastic. Really appreciate hearing that music played by a full live orchestra and the Auckland Town Hall is a great venue for such an event as this. Now, since we last spoke in last week's podcast, there have been updates to the Auckland Armageddon Expo, which was due to take place on Labour Weekend in Auckland. Unfortunately, this event has been cancelled for 2022 due to the uncertainty about the management of the event and an inability to get any clarity as to whether or not events are going to actually be able to be held there. Because this is still up in the air, it's actually unclear as to whether or not this issue will be resolved before an event can be held next year, either during winter or spring. Um, we had the winter one earlier in this year, but uh, without clarity as to whether or not events are going to be held at the, on this site on an ongoing basis, we don't actually know if Auckland will be able to Auckland Armageddon will be able to take place next year either at this point. Very unfortunate. Just on that note, though, I will reiterate that other Armageddon events will be taking place later in the year. Wellington at the Sky Stadium on December 3rd and 4th. Christchurch at the new Tepai Convention Centre December 10th to 11th. And next year, early next year, March 25 to 26th, the Bay Park Arena in Tauranga. This cancellation of the Armageddon Auckland Expo leaves the or left the costume contest a little bit up in the air but the organisers will be wrapping this up by holding both a Auckland regional and then a national final at the Spookers venue that will be taking place on the 23rd and 24th of October so if you are a costumer hoping to participate in the costume event at Auckland Armageddon you'll still be able to do so. Audience members will not be able to attend. This is just for entrance only. The venue does not sort of have the sort of auditorium yeah. capacity. So this still lets the cosplayers that were gearing up for these events be able to participate and sort of wrap up that contest in a sort of a 
satisfying way at least you know maybe you might not get to go up on stage in front of an audience but this will be live streamed so people will be able to watch the contest virtually so you'll still get to sort of show off just maybe not in person but you still get to compete um, which is obviously you know a core component to the competition so for those that you know because it takes months to work on these competition level costumes yeah. and it would be gutting to sort of, you know, about two or three weeks out, find out that the contest won't be going ahead. Sure, you'll have a very good costume, but then of course, no event to wear it to. So glad that they've come up with a solution for those. Um, now, historically, Star Wars costumes have been very much something we enjoy about Armageddon. Uh, exposed and we won't have the exposure to that on the convention floor uh, this year with the in the absence of Okanama getting but we will personally be keeping an eye out on the live stream of that costume contest to see if there'll be any Star Wars characters represented in the lineup. Tales of the Jedi, the new animated series of shorts which will be debuting on Disney Plus on October the 26th. In fact, all the episodes will be coming out on October the 26th, less than three weeks away. A new poster has been revealed in the last day or so, just sort of emphasizing the hype for this uh, mini-series. The poster reveals Qui-Gon and Ahsoka in the center uh, of a ensemble of all the characters that will be represented and uh, involves a big Jedi symbol. Quite looking forward to this and like I say less than three weeks to go before we'll be able to check out those shorts on Disney+. Plus. This is interesting in that it actually overlaps with the release schedule for Andor. I was kind of convinced that they would sort of space these things out so that one would roll on to the other. But yeah, this is going to be sort of a fun, I guess, for those of us that uh, will, will not have Auckland Armageddon, as we perhaps expected, we'll be able to watch this because the dates are very similar. Pretty much. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned that um, it overlaps with Andor. Historically, none of the major series that includes the animated series such as Bad Bitch have overlapped on Disney Plus yet. But some of the, the minor, second tier, not that they're lower quality or anything, such as Visions, I think, have overlapped and, and this one will be doing that. But speaking of Visions, a preview on StarWars.com has just come out of the Star Wars Vision comic from Marvel. Issue 1 will be released on October the 12th. Might take a day or two more to show up in New Zealand. But interesting to see... The character Ronan returning in a comic format. The official synopsis for this comic reads, And a new story written and illustrated by Takashi Okazaki, one of the artists behind the duel, Marvel's Star Wars Visions one-shot finds the Ronan before he arrived in a small town to face an agent of the dark side. In StarWars.com's exclusive preview of this issue, thieves stop the wandering warrior unaware of the mistake they've made. This character was definitely one of the standouts for fans from that Vision series. It's interesting to see that it seems certainly prominent in the follow-up merchandise, mm -hmm. such as uh, the sort of Kotobukiya statue, we've seen t-shirts and Funko Pops. Yeah. So it's no surprise to see that they are continuing that by creating sort of a, a story around it with a comic. I would really, I would find it fascinating if this one got a larger spin-off component in the follow-up vision series yeah, yeah. we still don't know where the visions sort of two will uh follow like can with this there'll be all new stories or whether we will see perhaps no, continuations of the most popular not, ones not, not clearly, it not wouldn't definitely. surprise me if there was perhaps a part two to ronan's story in visions even if the rest of it's completely new clearly uh the animation style the character design just it was a really intriguing character so i'm definitely keen to check out this comic yeah, well, I mean, the Ronan had his spin-off novel as well, so clearly 
stories are being created based on this character. So as you say, he is the most likely candidate to have further stories in the next season of Star Wars Visions on Disney+. Plus. Uh, yeah, check out this preview on StarWars.com if you haven't already. It very much because of the involvement of the original artists, obviously, it very much captures the style and feel of the animated uh, episode that was part of the Disney Plus run. Yeah, it looks great. Check it out. Moving on to product announcements and store reports. Hasbro Pulse Con 2022 took place over the past week. We watched this live stream. We mentioned it last week. And in fact, we were able to watch it live streamed here from New Zealand, despite the slightly confusing the explanation for the availability of the live stream. A number of the Vintage Collection and Black Series figures were revealed, and the upcoming pipeline figures for both those scales were also revealed, as well as a few a few role-play items. Perhaps the confusing description of the sort of, like, they talked about, like, fans from the UK and these places can sort of watch it on YouTube. I was worried initially that it would be regional locked, even though none of the other ones have been and we've Mm. always been able to watch it. Perhaps this is an effort to perhaps gently shoo away fans from other territories that do not have a sort of a, a localized yeah. Hasbro yeah. A website to be able to pre-order because they really hype up the fact, oh, this is going to be available for pre-order, oh, available Post. for pre-order. Yeah. And they were very happy that they had expanded their European territories. Obviously, we've got US and Canada um, here in New Zealand. You know, yes, we can pre-order these things from the American website if you use a freight forwarding service. And we've done that, so, it does work. Yeah. It, is, it is an expensive way to do it, obviously, because <laughs> yeah. you're playing shipping twice and just you know freighting from these personal shopper services just to be courier not standard email so you do get that sort of higher cost obviously we do hope uh, that most of these things turn up locally generally distribution's been a little bit better in the past years than it has been historically so we're hoping to see all of these announced things available locally but they're not available for pre-order yet so initially you know eventually these things will show up at the places that offer pre-orders like Toyco and, and Mighty Ape and the, and the like and then eventually Eventually, most of these will show up at the likes of Farmers and the Warehouse. But yeah, so they do sort of really hone in the fact of pre-ordering. So I think that that was why that was just sort of a weird wording about how you would be able to watch PulseCon. So in the Vintage Collection line, we're excited to see Cassian Andor comes to the Blaster Pistol and Val Sartha comes to the Blaster Rifle. And also from the Bad Batch Hunter coming with the Blaster Pistol, Blaster Rifle, Removable Helmet and Knife. First Bad Batch character in the TVC scale. In the sort of Army Builder series, Cantina Band 3.75 inch scaled pack featuring seven figures and an assorted instruments will be a Hasbro Pulse exclusive. They're a bit harder to get in New Zealand unless you order direct from Hasbro Pulse. But interesting that they are doing this full set of seven Bith Band members, um, having recently just released one of the characters individually on a bubble card. In the TVC pipeline, upcoming characters will be focusing on the return of the Jedi 40th anniversary celebrations. Darth Vader, Wiki, Woof, Yakface, Nikto, Kathaba, the Skithgard, and from the Book of Boba Fett, a Tuscan warrior. And in the playset arena, we'll be seeing an indoor bunker playset, presumably one of those sort of flat pack playsets that Hasbro's been focusing on for diorama building. The Yakface is an interesting insertion into there because Yakface on a TVC card recently or semi-recently was available with the sale barge and we're not sure to what extent that will be different but that does make it more likely that you would want to have kept or keep your yak face from your sale barge on his card i feel sorry for the people that that kind of went up backwards and forwards backwards and forwards about this and perhaps opened it yeah uh now finding out that 
it's probably, they didn't confirm, they didn't mention this, but it's probably going to be the same sculpt. I don't think they would retool it only after not, a couple of years. Time, yeah. So yeah, the paintwork might be slightly different, but it's essentially going to be the same figure in a widely available format. So I'm not a fan of the packing figures uh, that you that really leaves you in this uncomfortable situation of deciding whether or not you want to open them to have the display, the character part of the display, because it's designed to be incorporated into whatever vehicle or place that it comes with, or keep it on the car because that's the only way to get it. And this this conundrum has been made even more complicated when the figure is actually released down the line and you may feel that you've made the wrong decision it's kind of interesting that we haven't seen hasbro ever create a sort of a card back packaging that is reminiscent of the large jumbo scale of gentle giant where it's kind of you can open it up and take the figure out and then you can kind of clamshell it back together and put the, like, that would be an interesting design feature if they decided to do something like that for these sort of exclusive figures with the large HasLab vehicles, where you sort of have a... A resealable bubble card, basically. Yeah, yeah, so um, if you want to display it, it yeah. yeah, so, because it's just plastic, it's it scales down, you know, like it sort of, it hind, you know, you've got sort of a, it, it kind of overlaps at the back, so you can sort of put the two pieces of plastic together. So you essentially sort of seal the figure with the sort of backing card there for display purposes, and you can take it out. That's one of the reasons why I particularly liked those jumbo sort of renditions of the original Kenner figures, was you didn't have to choose. The backing cards are huge because they're like a backing card for a 12-inch figure. So you end up with these huge backing cards. But they look really cool if you pull them out and sort of put all the figures together because it has that sort of really nostalgic retro feel. And you didn't have to decide you weren't literally ripping the bubble off a giant you know 12 inch backing card so they created this way that you could sort of take them off and i think that that would be an interesting way to do the packing it would certainly sort of dampen the sort of the resale market here you know not make it um you know because a lot of people i guess decided to um sell that pack-in figure to sort of offset the cost of the sale barge Yeah, knowing that these are like exclusive versions of the figures and things like that, if you could just take them on and off, uh, I think then people wouldn't be torn because there would be some people that bought the sale barge that perhaps went and additionally tracked down this figure in the, on the secondary market so they could have two, one loose to use with their sale barge and one carded in the sort of original pack-in exclusive uh, sort of condition. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting that they're going to do this because that's going to make people perhaps hold on to their pack-in has lab figures for a, forward, a lot yeah. longer in case they turn around and do this. Not that we uh, even know what potentially the next uh, HasLab Star Wars project will be after the last two failures. Uh, Maybe but, a while before but, we find out. <laughs> but going forward, for those of you that, that may end up securing a HasLab Star Wars vehicle of some description, this is uh, an interesting development to take note of. In the Black Series, a run of Andor characters, cool to see Andor coming through, Bix Kayleen, Luthan Rail, and Mon Mothma. Axe Woes will also be inserted in there from the Mandalorian. And in the Return of the Jedi line on retro cards, so bubble cards, but Black Series 6 inch scale will be seen a Scout Trooper, Lando Skiff Guard, Han Solo with his Endor trench coat, Princess Leia in her Endor poncho, and Wicket the Ewok. In the Black Series Pipeline coming up in a little bit down the line, Jedi Knight, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, R2-D2, a new sculpt thereof, and a reissue of the Royal Guard, Emperor's Royal Guard. 
From the book of Boba Fett, quite exciting to see a Pike Syndicate trooper in the Black Series 6 inch scale. Cad Bane, a fan favourite of course, and a Tuscan Chieftain, again in that Black Series 6 inch line. We're very excited to see a new Black Series helmet uh, revealed, a Phase 2 Clone Trooper helmet. Particularly excited for this for two reasons. Hasbro tends to release a lot of repaints of their Black Series helmets. This is a completely new sculpt, of course. We don't have a Clone Trooper to date, either Phase 1 or Phase 2. I'm hoping personally that the Phase 2 Clone Trooper helmet coming out now implies that there will be a Phase 1 Clone Trooper down the line. Also exciting that there will be a lot of paint variants of these Clone Troopers almost undoubtedly coming out down the line. So you better get your favorite paint job represented on a life-size one-to-one scale Clone Trooper helmet. Now the pricing on these are fantastic for the uh, product that you end up getting in New Zealand, about $250. This is in contrast to the other recently revealed 501st Phase 2 Clone Trooper helmet from Denuo Nova, which is about $1,000 more expensive. Higher quality materials and such like, but the uh, for the price for what you get, we're very, very happy with the uh, Hasbro Black Series helmets that we've got in our collection. Yes, for the, for, the, for the collectors out there, this will be an exciting development, particularly if you're the sort of person that wants perhaps more items represented in your collection rather than focusing on the higher end, which budgetary restrictions for most of us means that you can sort of, you have to really pick and choose the special pieces. And yes, the 501st Clone Trooper is a special piece for a lot of people out there, but the announcement of this one from Hasbro, generally speaking, they're between $250 to $300, like the $300 price point is generally reserved for the Vader. Most of the other helmets are somewhere between $250 and $300. And we've got most of them in New Zealand through yes. EB Games or Mighty Ape and, and other retailers. Yeah, distribution is good in New Zealand. Um, widely sort of, they don't sell out too quickly, even True. for the popular ones like Boba Fett or, yeah. or Darth Vader. Uh, good to see the Darth Vader helmet showing up in large quantities at EB Games. And I just, I think it's really fun. You know, the prequels have often got a little bit neglected because it's not an area that Disney has deemed particularly profitable. We've got a lot of focus on the original trilogy, and then we had a lot of merchandise obviously focusing around the sequel trilogy and each new film as it came out. So it's fun coming up to the 20th anniversary of sort of the Clone Wars era. Uh, with Attack of the Clones this year reaching its 20th anniversary. Obviously, in you know three years' time, we'll hit the 20th anniversary of Episode 3. So I'm really hoping the in-betweening years, the three years you know starting now, leading up to the 20th anniversary of Episode 3, we'll see a lot more sort of prequel-era merch. And one of the more popular elements of the prequels is, of course, the Clone Wars. It ties in with the animated series as well. Obviously, the uh, sort of the micro-series came in in that era as well which, you know, added a lot more sort of clone troopers and things like that. So it'll be really exciting to see how much. Obviously, this will probably mostly be repaints. I don't know that we'll see, uh, particularly in episode three, we we saw a lot of variant clone trooper helmets that were not just repaints they were had different yeah, sort of yeah. visors and different sort of breathing segments i don't necessarily know that we'll get the variations to that extent perhaps we'll not see a cody sh- with a with a sort of a visor that can sort of flip down cody it's, being it's one of the likely. sort of more prominent film clones that had a variant add on rather than yeah. re-sculpt. so that would be really cool but in any case we're bound to see a plain white one 
and a fiber first one is probably a given for this one and there's there's a couple of variations that we see in some of the video games so it'll be interesting to see just how many we get you know this is hasbro you know we know they love to do repaints and I'm sure we'll see i think collectors troopers. will appreciate it I know that if they release a plain white one, then people can just buy like 10 and just do their own paint jobs on them and do the variations. But it'll be fun to have officially released versions out there. So you can have like a cool sort of almost a rainbow lineup of different ones uh, on a shelf. I think that that would be really cool. And generally speaking, without making, you know, too much predictions here, you could probably buy four to five of these for the price of one Genoa Novo. So you could get like quite a cool quite a significant display i mean the clone trooper helmets are fairly big uh helmets they 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 look big when you sort of got a one-to-one sort of in front of you so i think that that would be really cool for fans of clone troopers really excited about this one speaking about clone troopers and clone wars in general 20th anniversary era of the clone wars is sort of kicking off and at least that's how hasbro is going to be celebrating it they get talked about anniversary figures coming out throughout 2023 both the gindy tata and dave filoni series will be represented in that lineup but just jumping back to roleplay items they also confirmed that a black series luke skywalker green lightsaber will be coming out so this of course is return of the jedi lightsaber with the green blade and the new black series sort of line up with removable blades and sort of vertical uh, display stands which we're very much a fan of as well in the past, the Luke Skywalker sort of Jedi lightsaber has, it, the design has a very narrow emitter. And generally when that has been done in a licensed light up collectible, they had to basically give it a very wide neck in order to fit the yeah. sort of electronics in the blade. But in the recent years, Hasbro has kind of decided on a interesting compromise, mm-hmm. starting with the sort of princess layer. And we have seen it in the Obi-Wan Kenobi designed lightsabers that all have that same sort of emitter style and that they have basically the whole emitter can come off and you can choose two styles. The very narrow realistic version if you prefer to display it as a hilt. standalone hilt yeah. or you can sort of take that piece off and have the wider neck if you want to put a blade on it and i think that this is a really good option for collectors it doesn't mean that you have to sort of buy two of it if some people really like bladed weapons some people want hilts and some people want to be able to do both with their pricey collectibles so i really like this option here you know personally i kind of have different opinions for different lightsabers some of them i really want to have on a shelf accurate and others i you know want to have them sort of lit up because they're more slightly more fun that way and i like the fact that they're giving fans this option it does tend to put the price point a little bit higher um, because you are getting an extra component here you're getting uh, essentially the whole emitter piece twice Um, but we do generally get these lightsabers in New Zealand from EB Games, Mighty Ape and a couple of the Australian stockists also have very good pricing even shipped to New Zealand so this is quite cool obviously Luke is getting his moment with his appearance in The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett so it wasn't surprising to see this especially now that Hasbro's figured out that sort of emitter problem. Just jumping back as you said to the Clone Wars era this was particularly exciting to me that they was kind of giving it, they they stressed that this was like sort of a, a generic Clone Wars, it wasn't specifically the Dave Filoni Clone Wars they even presented a original a new logo for sort of, it was sort of like Clone Wars 20 and mm. it sort of had a Clone Trooper helmet that didn't seem specifically drawn from one specific source. I thought that that was really interesting that Hasbro have kind of created this 
I, I assume we might even see it expanded seeing this Clone Wars 20. This might be a Lucasfilm initiative to celebrate the Clone Wars sort of 20th anniversary because obviously the Clone Wars, as we know, it was kind of kicked off by Attack of the Clones in 2002. We're now hitting that 20-year anniversary. And there is a lot of content that that's told stories from the Clone Wars period. Obviously, we see it in Episode 2 and 3, the two different animation series as we see it here. So it'll be really interesting to see if this is a broader merchandising initiative or this is something that Hasbro wants to do because Clone Troopers are popular, there is a lot to, to do here, and I think it's I think it's a fun time for prequel fans, for people that love the Clone Wars, whether you like all of the animated series or perhaps you discovered Star Wars with Filoni's series, and that is like the thing that really draw you to Star Wars. It's neat to see. Uh, I, I, I almost can't believe it's been 20 years, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, whoa, we're hitting this period, you know? I, I'm too young to sort of appreciate the original trilogy sort of um, ones. Obviously, I'm impressed, you know, we're, we're hitting 40 years on some of these films and stuff like that but you know i i was i was coming up into star wars in the prequel era that was when i was old enough to appreciate it and so it's really interesting seeing all these 20th anniversaries it's really sort of hitting home just how much of my life that this has been a part of and so i'm very excited i'm hoping that they'll we'll see some of the pieces that they didn't reveal anything for this sort of clone wars 20 thing they just kind of said that we'll be celebrating it yeah, obviously yeah, no the, details, yeah. the clone trooper helmet is like obviously going to be part of that but i'm really looking forward to seeing what else because it's not very often that we actually see clone trooper action figures on shelves a little while ago we had the 501st clone trooper that seemed to tie in it wasn't specifically branded as being from obi-wan kenobi so but the, yes yes yeah. sorry the action figures on shelves locally. That actually sort of came out a bit before the Obi-Wan Kenobi figures, though obviously that does fit in with that sort of time period and the flashback scenes that we saw in that series. So that was kind of cool, but it's been a long time. I mean, I can't even remember the last time I've seen a Attack of the Clones era clone trooper no, action nice, figure nice on the TPC. In, well, I'd like to see them Black Series as well, just playing yes, clone yes. time for them to come back it's, out. Yes, it's been a little bit then... But uh, let's jump back and talk about some of the other action figure reveals here. What our favorites are, any anything unusual that we think uh, well, in that lineup. A, that's, a, that's four characters from Andor in the Black Series lineup, and I'm quite the, the pictures of them look great. They come with cool accessories. They've got nicely sculpted apparel in general. Uh, fun to see Mon Mothma, and but yeah, Luthen Rao. They're cool characters. I'm, I'm really getting into Andor, so I'm really stoked to see that that a reasonable sort of start to the Black Series line for them. Um, I can. As well as those announcements from Hasbro, just a quick note, I know that I think they're Walmart exclusives in the US. There's an Andor in his Aldani disguise, which we get to see on Disney+, and also a Imperial officer uh, that is describing him as being from the Dark Times era. But yeah, those are Walmart exclusives in the US, but they're recently recently revealed as well. Obviously included in the, in the sort of the figures that they had there on hand uh, to sort of show off in person on the on the video stream was Andor with his droid. Uh, the droid is only available in that sort of exclusive two-pack. Yeah, convention I'm, exclusive I'm so hoping far. that down the line we will see him revealed. Like, I can understand they'll be like, get the exclusive because they want that to sell and they want that to be all the sort of buzz. And then later down the line they're like, oh, yes, and here are the two figures available separately. We had this... 
I remember back, I can't remember what year it was, but when the First Order Stormtrooper was first revealed, it was like a Comic-Con exclusive or something like that. And there were stories of people getting basically shanked with pins in the queue because people were so frantic to get this figure. And then all it it turned out... sequel trilogy character released in And it was like this frenzy to try and get hold of this figure. And then in the end, all it turned out to be was just the packaging was unique. The the First Order Stormtrooper was widely available in the standard Black Series packaging. And I'm hoping that that's the case here. Hasbro doesn't necessarily say that they will be available in just standard packaging later. They want there to be this buzz. They want people to sort of buy it out. So it always looks bad if you do a convention exclusive and it doesn't sell out. You know, it always kind of looks bad. And then you've got all this inventory and then people get mad that they waited in line for for hours and hours to get a hold of it and then it's just on the website later so i'm i'm sure that this is a bit of a buzz just to make sure that it sells out and it's all buzzy and and you know it generates sort of good revenue for them as well as you know sort of a a good sort of convention uh, exclusive you know as a brand you want people to be excited and to grab your exclusives and stand in line and all that kind of stuff so very much hoping that droid will be available locally because he's super cute well a couple of other observations based on the characters we're just talking about uh hunter is the first bad batch in tvc scale uh, that strongly implies that we'll see the rest of the Bad Patch and TV yes. scale. Uh, TVC scale, we almost uh, always, well, I don't think there's been any, any exceptions to the statement that uh, when they do one Bad Batch, they do them all, all the way through from Funko through to Hot Toys. Yes, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, you don't want to run that risk of sort of, well, I know that some brands have done this where they sort of, they start releasing characters from a team and then it kind of like just trick, uh, sort of, uh, just trails out and you never get the rest of the team. I know that there was some controversy with the Hot Toys sort of Avengers squad that there are some characters missing from that. Ones that were sort of promised and then kind of never came out and people are like, it's been like how many years later and we still don't have a full set. So, um, you know, the way that Hasbro has been consistently working on the Bad Batch in the Black series line, I'm fairly certain that revealing them in the TVC line means that we'll get all of them there. It's a popular ongoing series. I guess the this is kind of... In line with the release schedule, obviously the Bad Batch has been delayed. We now have sort of a new air date, so this will perhaps line up with that as we sort of see characters sort of trickling yeah, out, and it will sort of line up Although with that new release schedule because we know that just differences in their armor between season one and season yeah. two. Yeah, yeah, so it'll be interesting be season to one, see season one armor. Yeah, um, so uh, yeah, we're not far off possibly seeing um, season two Bad Batch merchandise coming up as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting there. Uh, the other thing that we can, the other prediction we can sort of infer from this description, this lineup of characters, is that in the vintage collection from Book of Boba Fett, they've got the female Tuscan warrior, um, and in the Black series, they've got the Tuscan chieftain. Almost certainly, we'll see the uh, reverse of that available as well, because Hasbro has been tending to release the same characters in both scales. So we'll probably see the Tuscan warrior in Black series scale and the Tuscan chieftain and vintage collection. Line. I certainly hope that's the case. I'm a, I'm a yeah. Tuscan Raider fan from way back when. I loved the vintage, the, the original vintage. Tuscan Raider mini action figure, and uh, just seeing these, you know, seeing Tuscan Raiders represented and with, with, with a bit more variety in their sort of apparel is, I found really quite a cool aspect of Book of Boba Fett. In the pipeline with the Book of Boba Fett Pike Syndicate Trooper, oh, yeah, yeah. I. I have to wonder that they kind of missed an opportunity. You could, I mean, the speeder bikes, 
<laughs> that they steal so that you can have that sort of viral moment displayed on your on your um shelf, you know, with, with Boba on it going like a banther. And then, of course, an actual banther. You know, even if they just went back into the archives and re- reissued whatever the last banther was that they made, you know, and just, just put it there back out on shelves. And then, of course, Boba Fett on his rancor. I saw this in the comments of the live stream a lot. The people wanted creatures and people were saying, why no vehicles? Why no creatures? And there, there was a fair amount of creatures in the sort of live action series like Book of Boba Fett. There is a banther, a prominent banther. It's Boba's banther. You know, I think that that would be really cute. You know, if they're going to do Tuscans, Tuscans and banthers are just like, and you know, blades. like, There's like, like, blades. you know, like it's, yeah. Why are they not doing it? Yeah, yeah. It seems a real shame. And then the playset. I saw some people that are sort of a little bit cynical about the indoor bunker playset, worried that you will need to buy two of them to make it sort of, you know, a, a, a more significant component the way that we saw the Navarra Cantina. They're like, here's one wall, and then if you really want to make a scene, you got to buy two of them. I'm hoping that the indoor bunker playset is, you know, we hope that it's a little bit more than, than the versions that we've seen in the past, where it's just sort of the front face. They kind of showed it from the side, the, just the picture of, yeah, yeah. of the set. Yeah, it's not revealed yet. They showed the yes. graphic that they used to represent it. Yeah. yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if this will actually have multiple sides that will click together or whether you'll basically sort of get like half of it and you'll need to buy a couple of yeah, them. Yeah, it's a slightly, so it'll click it's a slightly interesting one because so, so far we've had Jabba's Palace, Blockade Runner Corridor and the Navarra Cantina in this sort of format. And most of, the, most of those lend themselves to having both an interior and an exterior, but I'm not quite sure how they will represent the interior and exterior for the for the indoor bunker and and like say whether or not they'll be able to join together obviously you didn't need to join them together for the Jabba's Palace but they did have side panels that could be laid out flat for just a flat diorama backdrop or they could be put at right angles for a bit more of a three-dimensional display. I mean in a, in a cheap sense you can just do sort of you know the four walls and a roof I, yeah, can, well, that, I can that, imagine that, them even just having sculpted doors yeah. that are shut well, just, there, there to, just to stand figures too. in front of it. Back in you the know? day, there was a sort of um, an adventure playset uh, that was a little bit two-dimensional on the Power of the Force 2 lineup. It came with quite a few figures, as they did with those lineups back then. But the, but the bunker from that, it's, it's fairly flat, but it's just got a little bit of depth to it. They may be taking that sort of approach. That, that yeah. is a cool backdrop for displays on the whole. Yeah. But, yeah, it, but the price has been creeping up on these, these sort of flat pack play sets. Mm. So I hope we get money for, or value for money from the Sentor Bunker. The other thing that sort of stood out to me is the Black Series characters here that they've got. They've obviously got uh, ones that kind of tie in to the uh, 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi yeah. with sort of Biker Scout, Lando Skiffguard, Endor Han and Leia, and Wicket. And I saw this in the comments that people were like, Every time you do the indoor characters, they end up being pig warmers. And it's just like, you don't know why. You don't know why. Like, even Han, you know, this is like, he's a leading character. And, you know, and Ewoks, you know, they're a crucial component of Return of the Jedi, but they just, they never sell at full price. People always wait. Uh, I th- possibly because people are just a little bit better at paying for half of the plastic at the same price. Uh, these things are never, they're always the same price. And Black Series have been sneaking up there in price. And you're like, well, I'm getting half a figure because, you know, the ebooks yeah, are a lot smaller. To, so you wonder to, whether people just like deliberately, yeah, they're showing like. showing how many accessories it came with. And they but the bubble the, looked the, ridiculous the because it was all the way down empty. the bottom and then just, just the, a couple of like bows and arrows. 
squeeze across the top and it sticks basically tiny tiny yeah um but you know that it's going to be full price on the shelves and so you know that these end up being being pig warmers and fans hate pig warmers because the stores don't really care what the character is they just see that there are star wars product on the shelf that doesn't sell and that affects the ability to get in new waves so that's a little bit i know that they're gonna have to for the 40th anniversary there are people that want these these things that don't have them looks really cool but the others i think they're gonna they're gonna hit uh, clearance hopefully at some point yeah 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 scout troopers are always army builders so that's gonna be like the first to to disappear off the shelf unlike the freaking metalized figures that were still sitting on shelves locally um the the standard biker scout will sell well but yeah i I just wish that there was more than just figures here a vehicle or something like that obviously with jazzwares hitting new zealand we're getting our sort of star wars vehicle fix that way but for those of us sort of og four inch scale collectors it's just that sort of scratch that just, uh, yeah. you just you want it there, like you and want, it needs to be you know, out. like like some speeder bikes. Like honestly, like we're thinking way back, we got. Uh, I mean, um, imagine, I mean, just a we got Empress Nest on her uh, speeder. Yes, we did. So but the that, speeders that, in that kind of felt like that was on the Black Series scale, both, yeah, but, both scales, but that, that went to clearance as well many times. But I reckon a, a book of Boba Fett, Boba Fett in his jumpsuit on his speeder. That would have been funny, you know. I think people would have bought that just for the fact that it made them laugh, you know. <laughs> I think it's cool. You know, that's a variant of Boba Fett that hasn't been on the shelves. You know, we've got a few variants of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian, you know, sitting around on shelves in clearance. But that was something different, something unique. He's in his jumpsuit for most of those flashbacks. And we don't really have that sort of version. Yeah. Um, that, that I think that that would have been fun. Right. I want Yeah, it would, it would have been. It's an... I don't know how it would have necessarily sold in, in, overall, but I, I personally would have gone for it. But jumping across from those ones, very excited to see a, a decent amount of product from Andor. It felt like Obi-Wan, we didn't really get much at all from it. You know, I'm still hanging out for my little layer, you know, action figure for the oh, series. Yeah. You know, yeah, like we point. don't have that for any, any range. Yeah, yeah, I, there isn't a Funko. There isn't a black series. There isn't a four inch scale. Like what? She's a core component of the series. And then there's no mm. merchandise for her. Yeah, um, so at that. least with Andor, we're getting some of these new characters pretty early on. We're seeing Bix. We don't actually know. Um, you know, where these characters are going to go, how significant they're going to be in the series, but at least they had, pro- you know, we're seeing the characters that have had at least prominent episodes, whether or not we see any more of them. So, you know, we've got Mon Mothma um, in her new outfit. It's very exciting. I know in the past, Mon Mothma often ends up being one of those sort of not actiony characters so the kids don't want them so they end up being a little bit of a pig warmer but she's shaping up to be very significant in the Andor series she's significant for the rebellion anyway so I'm very excited to see that they didn't shy away from putting her there yeah I think we're going to personally going to be quite completionist when it comes to black series Andor figures yeah uh, for, a num- yeah. for a number of reasons yeah. I think just speaking for just the two of us here, I like the Black Series when it's sort of, it feels self-contained by a specific source material. And because these TV, these uh, sort of television series are sort of more encapsulated, when it comes to just sort of trying to 
collect all black series. It feels easier to, to sort of focus on a particular source. So when it was things like uh, the Bad Batch, we're like, aha, we can sort of focus in on this um, without sort of collecting all of them. I know we've certainly seen it locally that people sort of try to collect all of the ba- all of the black series, and it just ends up becoming a bit of a drain either on your wallet or on your bookshelf in terms of space. And it's easier to focus on. Some people decide, okay, I'm only going to go original trilogy, and that's a that's a useful sort of way to sort of frame it or other people are like I'm not going to collect variants or special packaging or whatever in in an effort to try and sort of hone down or something like that. The other thing it's not necessarily a reveal here but they did show the packaging and they are Mm. pushing for the non-plastic black Black series series where it's just got a picture and I know certainly I've got my own feelings about this and I could see the comments based you know from the from the fans in in the chat that people were like i want to keep my figures carded and you were kind of taking that yeah like if you're a black series collector cutting down i've got a bunch of black series that i haven't opened because i like the way that they're in their bubble and i'm like i know i'm going to do it eventually but i'm just kind of enjoying the way that they look the presentation that cool art down the side yes i know it's there's a lot of plastic but it's not it's not like plastic straws you know like it's part of the the product the key thing is Cutting down plastic makes sense if it's just going to go in the bin as soon as it gets home, because that's the issue. There's stuff stuff going into the into the environment or to the um, into landfill. But um, yeah, I there would be I, a I way of a doing weird, a cardboard. It's a weird presumption. Like the character is sort of stored on cardboard, but having at least a window to see at least maybe the upper body. You know, there are plenty of, of toys on store shelves that you can touch the figure. They're not behind a completely no, I, I don't sort of window. Far for, for the black series, but they but, could do a small plastic window, like yeah. just a small plastic window, but the well, character is actually housed on a cardboard or something yeah. like that. It just—I know that people were upset because if you have it completely enclosed then that takes away the fun of keeping things carded because you can't see the figure anymore. It's, you know, it's sort of like um, Schrodinger's cat, you know, is it an empty box or is there a figure inside? You'll never know, you know. Um, so, but for those of us that that struggle with the decision to keep Black Series carded or to open them, this kind of takes out that equation. We don't need to buy two. You can take the figure out of the box, put the box on the shelf, and it looks like a carded figure because you can't actually see it. And then yeah. you've got the figure this, somewhere this whole, else. Is based but, on the presumption that people don't want to keep things in their yeah, packaging. I think which that's is straight odd. Up wrong. That feels like like Hasbro is completely out of touch with collectors. Black Series is for adult collectors. There, are, I don't think and there is that be, many people split, out there. Maybe some very wealthy people that are flinging forty and sixty dollar figures at their seven year old to play with. But I've got to be honest. I think Black Series is for collectors and collectors. No matter what it is, there are people that keep it in their boxes. You know, there are people out there that just whatever their passion is, they want to keep it in their box. You know, there are stuff out there that's like Mr. Potato Head that's been AFA graded, you know, because it's a Star Wars variant. You know, let's let's grade this toy. You know, perhaps that's not everyone's bag, but that's like, you know, there are still collectors out there that want to keep things in their packaging. You know, Angry Birds Star Wars mashup toys, you know, that's still floating around on the internet, still in its boxes. And I think it's odd to make something that is specifically designed to be collectible not really able i mean most people know oh you have the vintage vehicles and things like that they didn't have windows you know that's all fine the proof in the fact that people want to keep these in their boxes is the fact that you can buy plastic cases either thin plastic or even rigid acrylic to put your black series figures in yeah Um, which is additionally buying more plastic that's going to make no sense for a windowless figure 
Anyway. Like, or if you're going to do that, if you're like, well, what about all the people that want to put their black series on the shelf? Just do two packaging lines or something like that. You know, here's, here's one for the collectors. I mean, we saw that mm-hmm. with like, um, we see it with skateboards and we see it with, uh, sneakers. There are some where they're like literally blister carded for the sort of collectible nature. Um, and then we saw ones yeah, that are just in a standard, in a standard shoebox. If you want to wear your shoes, here's the standard shoebox. You want to keep it as a collectible. Here it is, vac sealed on a, on a blister card so you can put it on your wall. And, and, and we see that with skateboards. We see what they call shred ready, where it's just, you know, a, a thin film of shrink wrap around the board so you can rip it open, put the wheels on it and go out and skate or have it on a cool collectible backing card so you can put it on your, on your wall and go, Ooh, look, it's all sealed. It's a collectible. You can do the same thing with action figures you know here's like collectible version and here's the one for the people you know just like you could like the army builders are basically plain brown cardboard with a little line art on the outside you could take that approach here's like for dioramas no like absolutely no glossy print you know just line art on the front and go this is a boba fett figure you know here's a line art of it on the outside rip open your your brown cardboard box and away you go and the people that want to have it on the shelf have it in like a cool you know like i don't get it you don't see funko trying to take the windows out of their boxes everyone knows that funko collectors are split in bulk or out of box but the window and the plastic packaging on the inside is necessary for the people that want to keep them in their boxes and they are taking that i I can imagine the riots if funko took the windows and plastic out of their packaging people be like what's the point yeah yeah, they want to work people have i mean initially i wasn't sure if the black series was going to stick around it was it was a bit of an experiment by hasbro but it has it's 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 you know, it's lasted and I think people are invested in it and making a decision like this that could potentially affect the financial success of the series uh, puts it at jeopardy. You know, if, if these figures don't sell well, then, then Hasbro will make slightly less of them a year or go back to only doing figures that they know will sell like Darth Vader or something like that. And that's, that's upsetting for fans. And I see the people that were getting very upset in the chat and, uh, just and it's not because you don't care about the plastic. Yeah. I just think it's a wrong move in terms of in terms of the marketing of this product. I get it for toys that are destined for children. You know, like like the like the little ten dollar jobs at Kmart that we saw, where they were just a cardboard box with a figure inside. You know, no plastic on it apart from the figure itself. I get that. You know, kids gonna rip open their toys and play with them, and that plastic will end up in the rubbish bin. But for collectibles, leave that up to collectors. You know, we're not just throwing away. I mean, I, I can't even, I've got far too many backing cards and cardboard boxes taking up a lot of space because I can't bring myself to throw away Star Wars packaging. And I think there would be people out there as well. Even though you display your figures loose, you've still got an awful amount of packaging, you know, stacked up in your garage somewhere because it's, it's kind of part of the collectible, you know, especially the higher price point, you know, we're starting to pay a bit for some of these figures. You don't want to just throw away the packaging because everyone knows that if, if something happens in your life for whatever reason, you end up selling these things on, whether by, by choice or sort of, you know, life forces your hand for financial reasons, things are just worth a lot more when you've got the original packaging. And I think, you know, a lot of us are keeping their packaging whether or not we, we store them. This is not ending up in landfill. Anyway, that was a rant. <laughs> but I saw that as a particular hotbed issue and I wanted to kind of give my thoughts on it. I just want to talk briefly about a upcoming Funko line or second wave of a line that I'm really quite excited about. The Star Wars 
retro comic style pops figure wave 2. Previously we saw Darth Vader, Stormtrooper, C-3PO and Luke Skywalker release. So these are figures that are painted up to look like vintage Marvel Star Wars comic covers. Uh, so they've got sort of black outline sort of uh, impressions on them as well as some of the funky coloring that we saw on those vintage Marvel Star Wars comics. I really, really liked those. The second wave is available for pre-order in New Zealand. It includes Chewbacca, Emperor Palpatine, R2-D2 and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi comes from a cover where he's actually got sort of burgundy robes, which is really quite funky but cool. Yeah, that Obi-Wan, as soon as I see it, I see that cover, Obi-Wan yeah. fights alone, you know. <laughs> it's just like, I think that these are really fun, you know. We've seen him in action figure form, but there's something about the Funko design that that, that just meshes with these sort of bright colors really they go, well. They go together I think they're very a, cool. They go together quite fun as a cool subset. So this is the second wave. I'm, I'm predicting that there'll be a third wave because we don't have Han Solo, Princess Leia, Lando Carazin or Boba Fett yet. And I think those ones are going to be represented because they've all yeah. shown up on vintage covers with fun, with quite cool, quite cool color variations as well. Yeah. And to, go, to go beyond that, we'd have to start introducing some of the secondary characters that we only mm. saw in the comics like Valance or Jackson or Baron Tag, and that would require a new sculpt, which I think we're less likely to see in this in this yeah. line. Although I think there is a set of people that would like to see Jackson the Green Rabbit that actually yeah. showed up in issue 8. He was one of the first, most Star Wars vintage comics just featured the main heroes and villains, but issue 8, which was pretty soon after the run of the um, original, original comic adaptation of the first film, you had this green rabbit on the cover. One well, of the we heroes. saw we saw a, a collectible piece of Jackson revealed yeah. at Celebration. Yeah. So obviously Disney is not completely averse to featuring it in uh, collectibles. Uh, a Funko version would be would I'd be kind of fun. It, yeah. I do really like the fact that this range has themed boxes. That, oh yeah, yeah, the back that, of that the tie boxes. The back well. of the boxes shows the cover that the that the figure is inspired yeah. by. But um, they're not the standard white sort of Funko no, boxes. No, it's, it's, it's very much all sort of all bright and colorful yeah, yeah. i think they tend more towards the black coloring of the boxes so they they look really cool when you've got them all together this is definitely one of those sort of repaints that i'm not mad at yeah. <laughs> I, I really like them i think that they're cool so yes wave two coming out up for pre-order locally and um yeah i'm predicting a wave a wave three that will include hand solo princess there lando carazin and um there's a cool boba fett comic cover that comes from the um, empire strikes back adaptation where he's got quite a an interesting variation on his paint job. Standing next to him actually is Bosk wearing a purple flight suit and some variations of the comic. I don't <laughs> think we'll get I don't think we'll get that one there, but that would be kind of fun. Right, just rounding out our store reports, I want to mention E B games there. E B games, as most of you are familiar, have been getting over the last few years a lot of quite exclusive product stuff that they're having manufactured specifically for their sale for sale in their stores in Australia and New Zealand. And we're seeing some cool and or specific products coming through. The overall lineup of new apparel in particular is, is interesting. We've seen some new button-up shirts for $59, which is pretty cool. They're short-sleeved button-up collared shirts. There's one that features Mandalorian helmets and a woman's cut one that features a repeating Grogu image. I think that's a fair price for something that's a little bit smarter if you want to uh, have some slightly different Star Wars apparel in your wardrobe. We were quite impressed by the um, basketball-style singlets. $49, there's a, two versions, one featuring a Jedi Warriors sort of presumed team and one featuring a Galactic Empire team. Uh, so the Sith Lords versus the Jedi Warriors. They have uh, numbers, player numbers on the back. Obi-Wan Kenobi 77 for the Jedi Warriors team and Darth Vader 66 for the Sith Lords team. We like these a lot. 
Yeah, these are fun. We've seen a couple of companies do sort of the take on sort of basketball athletic shirts in the past, but these are very fun. Uh, obviously, you're sort of, you know, black and red with 66 is, is very fun and a reasonable price point. Generally, these have been quite expensive offerings in the past from, I think, the likes of Black Milk and I think Think Geek way back when did something similar as well. So very cool. Perfect in time for summer. Along with those button up shirts, it's, it's not quite sort of the garish, Hawaiian shirt vibe. I think they're more sort of stylish than that. I'm pretty sure that these are going to be trendy. We've seen a couple of button-up shirts from EB Games that they obviously sell well yeah. because they're and doing some, some the, more. Some of the designs have been too subtle almost, but, mm. but these ones are quite fun. Yes. So alongside the Andor product we're starting to see at EB Games, there's been a bunch of Bad Batch stuff, almost paired, almost paired. So we're seeing caps for $25, both Andor and Bad Batch, and then pins for $12, both Andor and Bad Batch. Also got an Andor wallet, Bad Batch socks, and one thing that really quite struck me is a new T-shirt design that has graphics on the front and back. It's a red T-shirt, but it's Andor branded uh, for twenty nine dollars. And the thing that really kind of struck me is that it features Stormtrooper, a Stormtrooper graphic on on the back. So quite mm. interesting seeing Stormtroopers represented under the Andor logo at this point. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping we see more because you know. Stormtroopers are just so iconic, such a classic piece of Star Wars, and whether or not you're sort of up to speed on Andor, it's just fun to see more Stormtrooper merch out there. You don't you don't have to sort of it's just something that just about every Star Wars fan is, unless you're very staunchly light side. Uh Stormtrooper merch kind of appeals to everybody, so very cool to see these stocked locally. All right, let's move on to talk about episode four of Andor. Episode four was entitled Aldani. Now, there's a good chance you've actually watched episode five by the time you're listening to this podcast. We do wait a week at least before we talk about the episodes, uh, just in case you haven't had an opportunity to. But if you want to catch up on our conversations about episode five, uh, you can jump on over to our personal YouTube channel, that's Villa Varakino, V-A-R-Y-K-I-N-O for Varakino, where we put up our immediate post episode Twitch streams talking about episode five, but wait a week, early next week, around about Tuesday, we will be talking about episode five. Okay, so let's talk about episode four here and now, though. Episode four is the first episode directed by Susanna White. The first episodes one, two, and three, which was a bit of a circumscribed chapter, were directed by Toby Haynes. Susanna White is slated to direct episodes four, five, and six. So I'm getting the impression that episodes four, five, and six will be a bit of a circumscribed chapter in their own right, telling a bit of a story arc that will wrap up as a sort of self-sustained chapter. So a quick summary, and then we'll talk about the things that really stood out to us. Luthan Rao takes Cassian to the planet Aldani, so really open on a starscape with uh, Rao's starship. A big fan of that starship design as a side point. I probably mentioned that before. And he explains his um, sabotage mission that he's trying to recruit Cassian for. Cassian's reluctant, but eventually agrees. Rao asks him to use a pseudonym among the rebels. He chooses the name Clem, which was the name of his adopted father. They land on the planet Aldani in a sort of open area that's presumably quite distant from the Imperial Imperial Garrison that they're going to be uh, committing the heist on. Luthan explains the uh, necessity of adding Cassian into the heist to Val, the rebel group's leader, who subsequently introduces him to the rest of the group. 
but keeps Luthen Rao's involvement a secret. That's a little bit of an interesting dynamic that I hope they unpack a little bit later. They explain to Kessing that they plan on stealing the payroll of an Imperial garrison from a key Imperial supply hub by taking advantage of a interesting natural phenomenon in Aldani's sky to escape, which uh, is going to give them sort of cover in terms of tracking their vehicle because they're going to be using a cargo hauler basically as a getaway vehicle. Parallel to this, on Coruscant, Luthen Rao, who has just returned, he's posing as an art dealer, we believe. Interesting that he's leading these two quite distinct lives. He meets with Senator Mon Mothma and they discuss challenges in keeping the opposition to the Empire hidden. Cyril Khan, meanwhile, the Deputy Inspector from Morlana, visits his mother after being castigated and placed on leave. The Imperial Security Bureau Lieutenant Deidre Miro seeks access and authority over the Ferex incident but is faced with opposition from her colleagues and superiors. She's an interesting character who seems to be quite observant and is noticing um, what seems to be a pattern forming in terms of uh, rebel activity in imperial sectors, but no one's listening to her, paying heed to her within the Imperial Security Bureau at this point, so that's clearly mm. going, to, going to develop. So this feels like the start of a chapter, and we presume it's going to span three episodes. And we're seeing these distinct threads, story threads for each of the sets of characters being set up and presumably they'll all intersect down the line. Mm. Yeah, I thought this was interesting that we saw Khan. I thought after the sort of the uh, the uh, sort of events on Ferrix that that was sort of going to be perhaps the, the last. The I wanted, I wanted to see more of him and it was kind of exciting to see. Uh, he's We see the scenes of sort of the Imperials basically scolding them and uh, basically firing them, basically congratulating them for being so incompetent that they brought about the end of the private security force on the planet. And now that the Imperial sort of, they've taken over permanent control of the planet, the sector. Yeah, um, Milana and Ferrix, yeah. Yeah, so uh, some of the other officers that we saw prominently from that force are also basically getting fired and scolded. And it's kind of interesting. We see him... Uh, I'm, sort I'm, of in, a, in a, what looks to be not exactly the most glamorous of housing, sort of having to sort of return tiny, to his mother with two small suitcases, yeah. and he looks pretty dejected, and he's met initially with a, a slap from his mother. That's an interesting dynamic. Hoping we see more of his story, obviously giving us that uh, little glimpse. Well, we obviously there's, will. There's, I'm hoping that this, like... That it's not just here's what happened to him. I think somehow his story is going to come back around and tie in. Um, either he is going to uh, cross paths with the rebels or the empire, or well, something vibe, interesting that's the vibe is going to. I'm feeling yeah. like we're getting the setups of you know what's happening back on Milana and Ferrix, what's happening on Coruscant, what's happening with Cyril Khan, what's happening on Aldani. Uh, these 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 paths are all going to intersect in an interesting way. But yeah, yeah, I'm really glad that Cyril Khan is still in the loop. I think the actor and the character are yeah. a, a superb superb to watch. He he does a lot with his expressions, and it, yeah, he's really conveying a lot about the character and the character's backstory with with um you know you know short scenes sometimes. I'm I'm loving that aspect to it because you know obviously Stellan Skarsgård. I love him as an actor and the character he's portraying here, and he's doing a f- very fun job of playing two distinct personalities. But often he you know often his sort of rebel character is just characterized by being you know stern and authoritative yes, he, and he, strong but he just... sort of like growls at Val when she goes yeah, yeah. to interrupt him or not she's like he's like look at me when I'm talking like he like yells yeah, yeah. at her he's very stern but that he's, he's, he's kind of like 
I guess he realizes that there's sort of deadly stakes and he takes things deadly seriously when he's in his rebel one. And we see him when he's kind of getting into when he's on his ship, having dropped off um, Andor, now under the name of Clem, and he's sort of going back to Coruscant. You can see him sort of practicing his Coruscant airs. You know, he's put on all this jewelry. He's even got a wig, which explains because in the trailer, it wasn't clear whether we (laughs) were going to get sort of like flashbacks or something like that. But yes, it's, it's, it's a wig that has sort of longer hair and he's got his robes on and all this jewelry and he's kind of practicing his mannerisms and things like that and then we see later on when he is in his sort of antiquities store sort of art gallery as it were um receiving mod mothma obviously it's kind of a gu- i think it's really clever if you're gonna have sort of like a guise of like shifting money or resources stolen things having sort of like an art gallery you know these are as we as his, his- as people with you know clever eye and screenshots abound there are so many sort of little references in this that this is this is not just sort of like paintings and things like that and interesting art sculptures these are like relics that have been unearthed you know there is something that looks very akin to a star killer's helmet in the yeah, back and yeah. some other bits well, and pieces that look very familiar or referencing things and i think that that's interesting that perhaps uh ties into the fact that he's got a lot of underworld connections or at least he's a very connected person in order to source these kind of you know uh galactic tr- well not trinkets but these sort of really interesting pieces and it also do allows him to it almost makes me think of the character in uh james cameron's true lies she's like uh, she's using a sort of digging up these huge big sort of sculptures and things like that from sort of the uh the ancient world to go and hide nuclear bombs inside you know you're using your sort of interesting connections in different countries and your ability to move you know, obscure, weird objects around without erasing too much suspicion. If he's getting in shipments from around the galaxy and helping smuggle things, being an art dealer is a pretty good way of kind of hiding that well, sort of smuggling. Because he is the one that wants the box. So if there's somebody to move a very sort of hot item like the like the Star Path unit, that would be a good way to do it. You're sort of, oh, it's an antiquity, you know, yeah. moving this rare piece oh, look, across and, you know, put it in a, put it inside something so it's disguised to something else. I thought that was fun. Oh, yeah. Look, his character is super fun and, and all regards. And I hope we get a little bit more explanation about his backstory because that both, both of the lives he's leading are actually very complex and, and imply mm. quite a lot of history for both of them in order to be a, a rebel leader that's capable of planning and leading and organizing an imperial heist he must have a pretty significant backstory um to to have you know achieved that that level and that skill set but similarly to be able to network to the point that he is on coruscant yeah and just fit in perfectly and you know be handling the the, the amounts of money that he is because of the antiquities that he's handling that implies a, a completely different skill set and, and, well, a, and yes, a whole separate backstory so he's done a lot of work in his life somehow certainly in the in the real world it's not just enough to have money you have to be you have to sort of be connected and you know have influence and things like that so you can't just come into Coruscant and you know pretend no, you know time. it has to yeah you've got to establish to your reputation your memory. sort of yeah so the way that he's sort of uh, receiving senators and things like that and it's all sort of you know very very formal and very fancy and stuff like that and I and then of course he uses the excuse to sort of be showing Mon Mothma an expensive rare gift it gives them an excuse to sort of move into a sort of back more secrety special room to have secret sort of discussions where they talk about sort of being being watched and unable to move large uh, sums of money around and things like that so and I did really appreciate our this was our first episode featuring Mon Mothma 
So we see her life. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really interesting that immediately we go into that she has a husband. And her husband is sort of basically a Coruscant sort of socialite that doesn't care about her causes. He's not a rebel. Which really, for me, spoke to the fact like she talks about sort of being under siege, that she's got spies everywhere. And, and then we find out that her husband is not in on the rebel cause that she's having to keep secrets from her husband he's mixing he's he's mixing with people that we know are basically supporters of palpatine yeah within sort of palpatine's entourage sly moore is mentioned and just the sort of the um not not exactly snarkiness but the attitude between the two means that she doesn't even have sort of uh a safe space in her own home no no she can't share what she's doing by any any stretch no and and that makes me feel even sadder for the character that this isn't, you know, like, yeah, she's sort of fighting on all fronts, even in the home. But I'm fascinated to learn more about her sort of home life, the dynamics there, and what exactly it is that she's trying to do. She yeah. talks what about moving the, large sums of yeah, money yeah. around. So what is, is the organizational She's trying to state? smuggle money to the rebellion. Yeah, like, so who's, exactly, who, who yes. are the leaders? What's the state of the mm. organization at, at this point? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we know that it's been discussed at the beginning and the and, and momentum of the rebellion has been discussed, you know, a number of different times in the past. But when, since Rogue One, or in fact, some aspects of Clone Wars and but, but emphasized in Rogue One, we're really getting this feel that the rebellion, the rebel alliance, sure, it started technically at some point in time, but the rebellion is a consequence of lots of little pockets of rebellion just mm. independently starting. So there are lots of different ways to describe the start of the Rebel, the rebel Alliance and Rebellion because it's just happening all over in, in opposition to the um, Imperial fascism, frankly. And, uh, yes, yeah, so I, I am keen to know what the actual state, who's involved in the Rebel Alliance establishment at this point. She makes reference to bringing people into the inner circle to help with funding, and we don't know mm. who that necessarily is, whether or not Bail Organa is involved at this point, or that is who she may be referring to. You know, he's obviously got a, a, a position, um, but might not be formally involved in this networking just yet. Yeah. Uh, this was another. This was a uh, one of those episodes where it wasn't actiony, nah, but nah. I think because the story is pulling in the first, the first three episodes we were establishing Andor and the characters around yeah, sort no, of Terex and Morlana, and now we're sort of moving on to this other sort of one where we're getting more about Luthen Rail, Mon Mothma, and and the rebel sort of little unit that we have on Aldani here. So we've got a little another sort of step of introduction and sort of set up here before we can really yeah, get like into say, the I'm, next I'm, chunk. Really so it kind of feels feel like in the three-episode yeah, chunks, we're now at the, the start finale, of the next third. The third episode, the finale of the first chapter had a ton of yes, action. Yes. Firefights, exploding vehicles and so forth. Yeah. And, and escaping on speeder bikes. And that's probably where we're going to head with this next line. And I'm, I'm perfectly fine with them setting mm. things up. And, you know, I, I appreciate that it's a different... The overall vibe and tone is different from Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. And I... I don't hate that at all. I think there's different ways to tell stories, and this one's really emphasizing on slightly more significant history within the Star Wars galaxy. Book of mm. Boba Fett talked about you know things that are happening on Tatooine, but this is talking about the Empire yes. versus the Rebellion and, and, the, and the, the, the status of that and the development of that. The other thread I forgot to mention is, of course, the 
Imperial Security Bureau yeah. on Coruscant. So these are kind of basically like the spies of the Empire. They listen to intelligence yeah. reports, you know, they go through bits and pieces. And so we are introduced to the blonde Imperial officer that we saw in the trailer, Lieutenant Dedra Miro. And we're seeing, I think it was really interesting. You know, she sees something. She's kind of, she's obviously a younger sort of up and coming Imperial agent here. And she kind of, she was, she's trying to, she's battling a bit of bureaucracy and the kind of the the constant push and pull for power that we know that we see sort of in the empire we see that a little bit in rogue one with krennic wanting to kind of climb the ranks he's like you'll speak to the emperor about you know what i've done you know he wants to he wants authority he wants power he wants to climb the ranks and we see that a little bit here we see that the empire is not fools here we see that they are that they are very calculating and they are quick to kind of snap down anybody that looks like they are making overt moves for power. It looks like they are keeping tabs on everything. And we see some name drops of planets here as well. We hear Scarif mentioned, obviously a callback to Rogue One and a few other sort of things. You know, they're yeah, keeping an eye on all sorts of things. Fondor, Fondor is an old one that's not quite as overt, but it shows up in the EU going all the way back to the old comics. Arvala uh, 6, I think. Arvala uh, yeah. 7 showed up in, in The Mandalorian, but Arvala uh, 6 is referenced. So yeah, that's fun. Yeah. But I like the fact that she's, she's, she's passionate. She's not, she's not scheming for the sake of position. She sees no, something. No, she wants to do the actual yes. job, not just yes. acquire power. Um, yeah. But she's dealing with perhaps a few others in her ranks that, that do see it as a little bit more of a, of a power play. I think she just wants to yeah. climb the ladder. They pretty yeah. much use that metaphor directly. Yes. And I'm really fascinated by by the other sort of prominent imperial officers that we see in in these scenes. You know, the the head of the the bureau that seems to be he sort of uh, scolds her, but then compliments her, saying like, you, "You've got a promising career. Don't him, yeah. don't ruin it by sort of making the wrong moves too early." He's sort of like, "You could have a really promising career," and yeah, I think it's interesting. And you can see that they don't. He sort of scolds somebody else in the room for basically taking too long to do the paperwork. And he's like, don't worry, you know, you're clearly not going to do it. I'll reassign it. You know, he's very quick, very snappy. And we can see that it's a pretty cutthroat environment to be in. If you've got what it takes, then you could, you could rise pretty high. But if you're, if you stumble, the other wolves are going to cut you down pretty quick and, and snap up your work and sort of climb up the ranks. So I think that is a really interesting environment. I wasn't expecting to perhaps get. I wasn't expecting to get a perspective from the Imperial side so early or perhaps at all. It was kind of interesting. We know that if you're going to deal with the rebels, then they're going to have run-ins. We could see stormtroopers and Imperials in, in the trailer, but I didn't realize that we were getting going to get to see sort of an interesting inner workings. It felt like obviously Rogue One ties very closely in to A New Hope and with the Imperial sort of briefing room made me think of the scene with Tarkin and sort of the other officers on the Death Star in A New Hope and it sort of felt like one of those moments where they're really reminding you that this is a story that ties into A New Hope. We're seeing the Imperials, you know, talking about, you know, the galactic empire is sort of from a higher point of just not just stormtroopers and sort of brute force you know sort of conflicts and things like that but the way that they were sort yeah. of keeping tabs on all sorts of things you know they talked about you know conflicts and things getting stolen and just yeah. looking for he, he goes on to sort of give a little bit of a spiel about how they are their health care that they look for symptoms of the disease um, before it sort of festers and spreads and gets out of control that they don't just they're not just paperwork they're not just sort of office people that they are that they're a very crucial important part of the empire and that they're looking they're looking for sort of 
signs of sort of a rebel uprising so they can quash it before it gets too big and too organized. That's essentially what they're trying to do here. It's an interesting approach because by focusing on the ISB, the Imperial Security Bureau, they're keeping a lid on how much of the Imperial activity they're describing so far. They're not really going into the Imperial Navy or so forth, but I think we're going to have to because we do see Star Destroyers or a Star Destroyer in the in the trailer. So yeah. um, we're going to get a little bit more ex- expansion beyond this tight, tight-knit ISB unit. Mm. And uh, yeah, just talking about how things tie into A&H, obviously we're not getting any direct references to you know Darth Vader or, yes. or Tarkin, Moff Tarkin at this point. But it'd um, be fun if we do just touch on that a little bit to tie it, to tie it a little yeah. bit more overtly into episode one, I think. I not, think without overcooking it. Potentially, but. like... Like, not without, you know, I, I never want to get too bogged down in speculation, but I would love to have, because he popped up in Kenobi, a cameo from a Palpatine. So I feel like they're deliberately dancing around about, like, you know, they're not, like, talking about the Emperor will be very pleased with your progress or anything like that. I think they're deliberately not mentioning him because there's there's well, potentials he- from both sides. We could we know that there is a Senate scene. We see yes. Mon Mothma in a Senate scene. Yes. So who is going to be in the center of the Senate? It's yeah. going to be Palpatine. And I feel like they're deliberately deliberately not mentioning it so it's a little bit more impactful when we do get to see him because i just oh i really hope he's here we don't get a lot of the emperor in a new hope you know he sort of comes in later in well, the original trilogy of, so no, it'd be kind of fun and he's, and he's not even in rogue one no he's not in a new hope he's not in rogue one so i think i think it'll be really fun to have him in here just to kind of pull in a little bit of that sort of connection yeah, to well, the wider Star Wars saga. I actually, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of keen to see some of the politics, some of the pre ANH politics, frankly, because they won't have heard about the Death Star. So, yeah, I'm curious to see the state of the Empire pre Death Star in some ways. We get, we get informed about some aspects of it in Rogue One, but that is focusing on the Death Star on the whole. Um, yeah. Prior to that, I'm like, it'll be fun to explore a little bit. And the other main thread that we just <laughs> be foolish not to talk about is Andor on the planet. Yes, on the planet Aldani, of course, um, where he's met the the rebel group. We got your we got your space sheep. We got your highland mountains and and yes. rivers and uh, low flying tie fighters. All of that stuff's pretty pretty interesting and cool. Yeah, we know that the imperial location was filmed in a sort of a notable a dam in Scotland. Yep. So we're getting these beautiful sort of highland hills and things like that. Really sort of huge vistas that really make you feel like you're really they're filming on location the rebel group is sort of disguising themselves as as sort of farmers people that are sort of no sort of nomads the people that decided not to sort of go with the imperial sort of into the push to to push them into sort of settlements and things like that they are sort of hiding in the hills that gives them a sort of a legitimate reason and should the imperials sort of spot them we do see tie fighters Mm -hmm. here it's always fun to see as as you later say uh, sort of tie fighters in atmosphere seeing them fly over sort of low-lying grass and hills and stuff like that that iconic noise is always really fun to hear we get to meet the imperial officer from the base who is clearly sort of turned to the rebel side but is using his imperial position akin to the female imperial officer that we saw in Kenobi somebody that's in the empire and has decided to decided to rather than sort of leave or sort of abandon their post they're going to they're going to sort of strike back by staying where they are and and using their intel and their position to to help the outsiders so that's really interesting we find out that they are going to be stealing the quarterly payroll for this for this sort of um 
garrison yeah. this, this settlement here and that Andor's going to be sort of crucial. We know from his discussion with Luthan Rail that Andor saw or at least was stationed on Mimban during the fighting. Mimban, the conflict there was obviously seen in Solo. We saw Han sort of on the ground in Mimban. It was obviously a pretty desperate fight. But we find out that Andor's a little sly about this, that he sort of saw that he, he said that he was like, I was spent like six months on, on Mimban and I was the only one to survive. And Luthan turns around and goes, no, you were a cook and you ran away. So we find that Luthan is incredibly connected. He knew everything about Andor before meeting him and we know that Andor is pretty slick about about Spinning sort of a yarn. <laughs> yeah about sort of covering his tracks sort of fitting in so he's perfectly but and perhaps Luthan uh, chose Andor for that reason he knows that he's very adaptable he's very sort of uh, quick on his feet and would be the per- perfect person to put in we don't specifically know we know that the team seems aware that there is a higher up because they seem to be aware that that there is well, somebody. Because she mentions it was either take him or call it yeah. off. They know that there is. They know that there's money payroll, coming from somewhere. They've got to go somewhere. They've got yes. to take it to someone. They can't manage it yeah. themselves. They know that this is kind of being overseen, but they don't seem to be aware of exactly who that that Luthen is as a secret to this group. And I'm not quite sure exactly why. why? That is, yes, yeah. yeah, I'm sure that we'll find out later. And we can see that this group is fairly apprehensive. We find out that they've been here for months, and that we are now that Andor is being added to the group three days out from this heist, and they're all just a little uncertain about whether they can trust him. They know that they're lives are on the line here so they're very suspicious of him we get to learn a little bit more about these characters they're sort of their their dynamic to be honest i don't know if all of these characters are going to live to the end uh, sometimes you sort of feel about that especially since this is a predecessor to rogue one where we certainly saw you know perhaps more characters not make it to the end than we initially thought yeah um, well, and clear. especially with sort of a not that this is a large ensemble cast but we've got a lot of threads here and we don't mm. necessarily know uh which of these characters to get invested in who knows maybe they all make it out successfully and it was all good and everything and they're like okay and all was successful here let's go off to you know heist number two or something like that who knows you know (laughs) it's star wars we never know what's gonna whether people are gonna you know be the heroes and win the day or whether it's all gonna go terribly wrong so i guess we're gonna find out you know in the next couple of episodes yeah um but it's really interesting the dynamic here with the characters that were introduced, I'm really keen to see where this is going to go. And I did like the the thing where where they sort of Luthen and Andor are negotiating and talking about sort of uh, Luthen gives him a I think they call it a sky kyber. Mm-hmm. It's a sort of a, a necklace with a blue and white kyber crystal on the end of it. It's clearly worth a lot of money. And that he, he says that if you're, if you're successful and you do the heist, I'll give you 200,000. We know that that is a significant amount of money in the Star Wars universe because, uh, Andor seemed incredulous about being offered a thousand credits to tell him how he stole well, the, the valuable the, the box. Star Pass unit yeah. was, was valued at about 40k. Yeah. And that seemed to be like 
a lot of money. Enough to get them off planet um, and, and yeah, to sort of escape. Yeah. Um, sort of the big emergency fund to kind of go off and start another life. And a thousand seemed like a lot of money. Um, so being offered two hundred thousand, he's he's not exactly keen to do this job. He's like, I'll take the drop off. He wants to just be sort of you know dropped off and thanks for helping me and so long. But I guess the the sheer amount of money that's being offered here. And he sort of, you know, talks about, you know, I like that line that Luthen says that it's still the same rope that they'll hang you with. If you, if you steal a tiny amount or millions of credits, they'll still kill you the same. So may as well, you know, if, you, if, we'll if, yeah, if you're going to steal something, steal something big. If, if, you know, like, yeah, just, just give it all sort of, you know, and make an, make a real difference against the empire rather than just, what does he say? Stealing trinkets and spitting in their food type yeah. thing. You know, that's not really going to do much in, a fighting against the empire so i think it's uh, yeah i think the dialogue that that luthan has is really is really quite neat i like his lines andor is a little quiet but i like how strongly he stands up for himself he's obviously had to stand up for himself since a very young age but i really like the look at his character that we're getting here and it feels very, very uh, fitting with the with the Andrew that we see in Rogue One. He's obviously still got a storyline development to to completely link him up because he is completely on board with the rebels. When we meet him, yep. you know he is he is a prominent, trusted figure who is being trusted with um, sort of very crucial missions. He speaks quite sort of freely. He doesn't need to ask permission to speak or anything like that when we see him in Rogue One. So it'll be really interesting to see his development here you know, he, he's, he's still uh, feeling a little bit selfishly he he he's he's in it for the money here he, he doesn't like the empire he's certainly willing to t- to risk his life to sort of uh, fight strike back against the empire but this is above and beyond what he's sort of been willing yeah. to do previously when he sort of finds out that there's a whole garrison here that this isn't just a heist that this is a whole imperial base that they'll be sort of taking on and 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 Obviously, the money is a significant amount to to keep him there and to sort of join up. Um, so season two is going to be interesting because it's going to be a lot a lot quicker pace in terms of the time the time it spans, um, and, and it's going to join the lines from what we're seeing now to to Rogue One. But in the meantime, we've got these we've got these three or four or four or five threads mm. kind of set up. I'm really enjoying the way they've been established, and I'm looking forward to seeing them unfold and develop and, and intersect and overlap. And yeah, so that's that's episode four. You may well have seen episode five, and we're looking f- by now, and we're looking forward to talking about that in a lot more, a lot more detail shortly. Uh, so tune into the Estevanjie podcast to hear us talk about episode five of Andor very very shortly. You know, if you subscribe, you'll get notifications. But uh, that's about it for today's instalment. I guess we're done doing talking. If you've got thoughts on the topics we discussed today, we're definitely keen to hear them. Let us know what Easter eggs you spotted in Lethen Rails antiquities store and the comments on the youtube page or the website page for this podcast thank you for tuning in we appreciate you taking your time to listen to us share our passion for star wars stay tuned to our website stbnz.co.nz for star wars news from new zealanders and another podcast episode next week don't forget you can jump on over to either our facebook group or the stbnz message boards to discuss all the latest star wars news with other kiwi fans kia ora kia noho homaru thank you for listening and stay safe Turo Hawaiki, may the force be with you.